I went to Love is Blind blind. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, and it was just chaos. So I'm hoping there's like, maybe if there's like a good amount of time between this season and the next, maybe I will check it out. I think the next season is in DC. That's right. Because I remember. It is because people kept sending me things to audition for it. I'm not kidding. I had three separate friends send me the audition papers. I was like, are you trying to tell me something? Like, (laughs) If I watch the next season, and I see someone from our university, I will lose it. I will, I will die. My marble. I will absolutely die. I, DC is so bad for dating, where I'm like, I already know. They got so many applications. Oh, yeah. Like, people in DC apply to the Washington Post, like, matchmaking services. <laughs> what is it called? Date Lab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If this is the DC season, I'm definitely going to watch yeah. it. Hi, I'm Lydia. And I'm Sonika. And welcome to Pop Rocks and Tea, a podcast about all things pop culture. And all the tea that comes with it. This week, we are back to our regularly scheduled format, talking about some TV shows that have blown up on streaming platforms in recent weeks. Y'all know the ones. Yup. We're going to be talking about season five of The Crown and season three of Love is Blind. But before we get into all of that, it has been a hot minute since we've given you guys a pop culture news update. So we thought, what what better way to kick things off than with some interesting celebrity couple news? I mean, we say interesting, but like at this point, if you're not expecting the unexpected, <laughs> what, are you right, doing? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> But yeah, so in case you haven't heard, comedian and former SNL cast member Pete Davidson and model Emily Ratajkowski sparked romance rumors this past week after they were spotted holding hands and hugging outside of her apartment in New York City. And then later on, sources close to the pair later confirmed their romance. (laughs) I mean, I just want to know when it's going to be my turn to date Pete Davidson because (laughs) returns are coming right like whether you want to or not I'm convinced every single woman on this planet will date Pete Davidson at some time I just need I don't want to date Pete Davidson that's too bad he's gonna date I don't understand the appeal I I don't understand hey but Lydia this man has pulled Ariana Grande Kim Kardashian Emily Ratajkowski like there's there's something there and you know me if a guy is above six feet tall all bets are off (laughs) I'm working on it (laughs) I mean fair but it's just like I look at him and I'm just like nothing just nothing and like I get he has the charm he has the personality has the sense of humor Mm -hmm. but okay And what else is there? What else? Also, also, I know people are going to say BDE. I know people are going to say, oh, well, he got that. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, in the words of our good friend Anna from Bling Empire, there ain't no dick that good. I refuse to believe that. Yes. From a scrawny white boy? I, I can't. I, 
Lydia and I texted each other this, to which I responded (laughs) with a meme that said, if I was a little less horny, I could have avoided so much trauma. (laughs) Y'all can, y'all can like guess what my face looks like right now. (laughs) I still think there must, there must be something to him that we do not know about that these women. Well, Sonica, I hope that you find out what it is when it is your turn. I will be writing an expose, a book, a series. A tell-all. A (laughs) tell-all. All right. In music news, nominations for the 2023 Grammy Awards were released. And we have some questions about some of these choices. I feel like that's, you know, to be expected from all these awards. There's there's been a lot of backlash against the Grammys' choices for nominations. So, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of talking about the predictions, and we are going to do a Grammys episode once the Grammys do happen next year. But there's two categories that I wanted to bring up that I think are going to be really interesting to watch, and that's Album of the Year and Rap Album of the Year, because they've kind of caused a bit of a stir. And... It looks like a lot of history could be repeating itself. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're just going to read off the list of the nominees and just kind of share our thoughts, Um, starting with Album of the Year. So we have Voyage by ABBA, 30 by Adele, Un Verano Sinti by Bad Bunny, Renaissance by Beyonce, Good Morning Gorgeous Deluxe by Mary J. Blige, In These Silent Days by Brandi Carlisle. Music of the Spheres by Coldplay, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers by Kendrick Lamar, Special by Lizzo, and Harry's House by Harry Styles. The first thing I'll say is like, compared to the past couple of years, I feel like the albums on here are like a pretty loose, pretty good representation of like the music of the year. I think like minus Coldplay and Mary J. Blodge, because like, Coldplay's album was not great and Mary J was kind of like slipped under the radar yeah I mean I okay so here's my thing this is like kind of relevant but like not completely I just think like this entire year has been kind of like flop for music in general besides like a couple of like standouts which are shown here with like Bad Bunny, Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar, Harry Styles uh, you know (laughs) and I think a big reason for that is just the fact that like so much music is just catered towards like being like a TikTok song, an Instagram song. Mm-hmm. And like that's like taken a hit when it comes to like good, cohesive like album making. Well, you had a TikTok song nominated for Song of the Year, the A B C D E F U. What that's and the Gale song. And your job. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Song of the Year. And I've like let me tell you right now, I've never voluntarily listened to that song. Like I've only nope. heard it on the internet. And that's just, like, it's so crazy to think about how, like, we're, like, pushing for, like, artists of color to, like, get representation at the Grammys. But, like, yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> but then, like, that comes along and, like, it's, like, all right. Yeah. Song of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I wanted to mention with this category is you have Adele and Beyonce up against each other again. Which, mm-hmm. if you don't remember, in 2016... Beyonce and Adele were up for album of the year and Adele ended up winning for 25 and Beyonce's lemonade lost and Adele got up on stage and made this big crying speech being like I love you Beyonce this was such a monumental album 
can't possibly accept this award. And I'm very humbled and I'm very grateful and gracious, but my artist of my life is Beyonce in this album for me. The Lemonade album was just so monumental, Beyonce. It was so monumental. And like, now here we are again, where you have 30, which yeah. 30 was a good album, but compared to Renaissance, which was complete yeah. genre shift from Lemonade and brought old genres and new genres to the table, like, it should, it should win, win right? I don't know like, a single person who has not listened to Renaissance, who has not enjoyed some of this. Like, it was just like such a moment yeah like when I think of this year when I think of summer I think of renaissance right I just think it sounds more interesting than an album about divorce absolutely like and that's the other thing it's like Adele has a very specific style and a specific way of singing and she doesn't I don't think she goes off that track too much which is why I think a lot of the songs on 30 sounded a lot like a lot of the songs on 25 and like even her older albums. So yeah, I think Beyonce should be awarded for switching things up and doing something that was very big and like a very big moment. And it was a very cohesive album. Whereas Adele's, while I mean, there was cohesion. I just think it sounded like an Adele yeah. album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in that vein, I think like Harry's house, has the same issue. I think so many songs from that album sounded like his old album, Fine Line. Yeah. And like, it wasn't a bad album. Yeah. It's not a bad album. It's just like a question of like, what, like, what are you prioritizing? Are you prioritizing lyrics? Are you prioritizing cohesion? Are you prioritizing the overall sound? Do you want something different? Do you want something unique? Like, and in that way, <laughs> Renaissance literally like checked every single box mm -hmm. to me. So... Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm also really glad to see Bad Bunny and Kendrick getting recognized for this. I mean, Bad Bunny's album was like a huge hit on yeah. streaming. And it was, to me, it was like Renaissance and Un Verano Sinti that were like yeah. my entire summer. Yeah. Um, just such a fun album. So many different genres, so many different sounds. Like it just, it was good. It was so good. Everything like featuring someone else on that album is also just like so good like mm -hmm. yeah honestly I started off the summer listening to Bad Bunny and ended it listening to Beyonce yep yep yeah so yeah very glad to see that and then also Kendrick I mean the the album wasn't my favorite one of his and I don't I think that's mm -hmm. that's not a unpopular opinion but I'm very glad to see it being recognized and I think that if he took this over Adele or Beyonce like I honestly would not be mad yeah because I just think he deserves more recognition than than he gets. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, I don't listen to a lot of rap music, but I listened to this album and I thoroughly enjoyed several songs on this. Like, honestly, I think I enjoyed most of them. If Kendrick Lamar wins, like, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. And then for the rap category, because this, this caused quite a bit of a stir. You have talked about this. You, please, Lydia, tell us, tell us your thoughts. So... I'll read out the rap album nominations. So first we have God Did from DJ Khaled. I Never Liked You, Future. It's Almost Dry, Pusha T. Come Home, The Kids Miss You, Jack Harlow. And Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers by Kendrick Lamar. I didn't know that DJ Khaled 
came out with a rap album this year. No one like, did. Maybe that's probably bad for me to say most of like a pop culture podcast. No, but, like no one did. You didn't miss anything. What? It was just bad. It was a not a good album. <laughs> so to have it here just makes no sense to me. So was this like a lack of albums to choose from? Like what? Like what caused this? Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there in just a minute. We'll get there in just a minute because there wasn't a lack. I just think there were so many artists that were overlooked, but we'll get there in a second. Yeah. The other thing that really surprised me about this was Jack Harlow. I mean. He got a lot of nominations in the rap categories this year. And this album, I think the general consensus is that it was so lackluster and it was just... It was mid. It was mid. I think the perfect word for that album is it was mid. I think it came, it had a lot of expectations and it did not live up to those expectations. I also like, honestly, like, yeah, Jack Carlo raps, but in my brain, he's like categorized into like the pop category. (laughs) Yeah. Also going back to the theme of like history repeating itself. Once again, you kind of have this like newcomer white rapper versus Kendrick which sounds a lot like what happened in 2014 when Macklemore won for the heist over Good Kid Mad City yeah Mm. and I'm gonna be real mad (laughs) yeah if Jack Harlow takes home this award no there's no way there's no way I mean there is a way, but like... <laughs> That's the thing. There's a chance. There's a chance. It could happen. But going back to your point about, oh, where are, are, like, were there just not enough options? Were there just not enough albums to nominate? So Denzel Curry, who put mm-hmm. out an album earlier this year, that was pretty good. He called out the Grammys on Twitter after the nominations were announced and basically said not only was he snubbed from this category, but he also listed 10 other artists that he believes were snubbed, including Joey Badass, uh, J.I.D., or Jid. I'm not sure how it's that's pronounced, but one of those yeah. is correct. And Freddie Gibbs, who all dropped albums this year that were good and could have mm-hmm. probably been nominated over DJ Khaled or Jack Harlow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's just, I look at that category and I'm like, you're looking at sales over yeah. quality a little bit. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself, Lydia. Sales over quality. Yeah. Just wanted to share our thoughts on on those two categories. But now I think it's time to talk about Miss Swift. <laughs> Shall we? I'm scared. <laughs> so, in case you were not aware, Ticketmaster has completely canceled the general sale of Taylor Swift's The Eras Tour after two Mm -hmm. days of the verified fan sales. So the first day was like the verified fan codes. If you ended up getting a code, that was your time to buy tickets. And then the second day was the Capital One pre-sale. If you had a Capital One credit card, you got a code and you were able to to buy those tickets. But the demand... Mm -hmm exceeded Ticketmaster's expectations um, and 
because of that, they made a statement and basically said, we're canceling the sale of this tour. <laughs> they, they're literally like, we quit. <laughs> they're like, we give yeah. up. <laughs> but on top of that, there were multiple instances of the website crashing completely. Multiple instances <laughs> of people waiting in lines for hours and hours and hours, digital lines. And also instances yeah. where codes were just straight up not working. It just like seems like a recipe for disaster because Ticketmaster obviously like thought either they could deal with it or they just like didn't care <laughs> enough to like put in mechanisms in place to do something to figure this out or like strengthen their own website so it doesn't crash. But this is just like so unacceptable. <laughs> like even like from I mean we'll I think we'll get to this in a second, but like even from Taylor's end, like you know how diehard, hardcore your fans are. And you put out not just a tour of the Midnight's album, but an Eras tour. Like, that's a whole other ballgame. It's like 15 years of your career that, yeah. like, has touched so many yeah. people. Like, how did you not anticipate that this yeah. was going to be huge? Exactly. And it's so upsetting because, I mean, of course, I literally have no fun <laughs> at all. <laughs> Very America-focused problem, but... It's just, like, so sad to see that, like, people are, like, sitting and, like, just completely at a loss with, like, no idea what to do, right? It's, like, if Ticketmaster can't even, like, get through the normal, like, getting your concert tickets processed, there's no way customer service is working. There's no way complaints are working. Like, nothing is working. No, absolutely not. And I think the thing that is most frustrating for fans is that Ticketmaster did not give any other alternatives on where mm -hmm. fans could find tickets or any kind of timeline where they could purchase tickets again and they would have the sale back up. And, you know, who knows when they're going to announce that. I mean, I guess we'll see in the coming days, but yeah. Taylor made her statement a mm -hmm. few hours before we started recording basically saying that I've brought so many elements of my career in-house. I've done this specifically to improve the quality of my fans' experience by doing it with myself, with my team, who care as much about my fans as I do. It's really difficult for me to trust an outside entity with these relationships and loyalties and excruciating for me to watch mistakes happen with no recourse. And then there's a, she says a little more things and she says um, – and to those who didn't get tickets, all I can say is my hope is to provide more opportunities for us to all get together and sing these songs. <laughs> Which to me sounds like you're backing out of the situation. You're like, this... Oh, well. I trusted these people yeah. and they fucked this up for like me. You guys can come to the next tea party. Good luck. <laughs> it's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess we'll have to see. I... Yeah. was planning on getting some tickets or at least trying to get tickets but who knows who knows what'll happen <laughs> well then, then there's the whole like once this stuff does settle down a little bit all of the black market <laughs> ticket sales are going to start all of the facebook group i have this taylor swift ticket you know all that stuff and yeah some of those will be legit but i'm sure most of them will also not be legit just like looking at how desperate people are to get these tickets and how much money people are willing to shell out for these tickets. That's the other thing is that now that it's just suspended, like Ticketmaster yeah. just suspended it, 
every other website that you go to, it's like the lowest price you're going to get is like eight, nine hundred dollars for a nosebleed seat behind the stage. Like you're not even, <laughs> like you're can't. not even seeing her, and you're paying eight hundred dollars, and it's like you could it's- get a ticket to Coachella. <laughs> You could, you could take a trip. You could take a trip. (laughs) My friend was making jokes. She's like, is it cheaper for me to go to Europe or to go to Taylor Swift? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, but that's so sad that like, that's the scenario. I mean, Lydia and I saw Ariana Grande for $90. Mm Mm-hmm. And we had decent seats. Good. Yeah. Dare I say good seats. They were good seats. We had fun. We had a good little section. We could see her. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I hope that they do sort this situation out quickly so that people who did not get tickets can get them Mm -hmm. if they wish to do so. But I think Ticketmaster, now that Taylor has said something, Ticketmaster, get your shit in line. Karma, Ticketmaster, is coming for you. Not in the form of a boyfriend or a cat (laughs) so from here on out we have a spoiler warning in full effect for all of these shows so if you plan on watching any of them and don't want it to get spoiled Now's your time to pause. You can come back and listen to us once you're done or I don't know. Just give it a pause. Go watch and come back. But if you are already caught up or or you just straight up don't care about spoilers, thanks for sticking around (laughs) and let's get into it. All right. Starting with The Crown. In light of the events of the last 12 months... Perhaps I have more to reflect on than most. This fifth season was highly anticipated with the turnover of the cast, this time with Imelda Swanton playing the queen, a.k.a. Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. I literally, I like hate, I feel so bad. (laughs) I feel so bad, but it's just like, I can't, my brain like cannot process that actress as anyone other than Umbridge. I mean, it's the same for, like, anyone from the Harry Potter cast, I feel like. Like, yeah, Cliff can do whatever he wants. He's Harry Potter. But it just... The, the mix of Umbridge and Queen Elizabeth is interesting in my brain. Anyway. <laughs> so, yes. She's the queen. Dominic West plays Prince Charles and Elizabeth Debicki as Princess Diana. The new season, which premiered on November 9th, promised a deeper look into Charles and Diana's divorce, and we definitely got some of that, but there was a lot left lingering, left to be desired, <laughs> especially considering all of the drama that like unfolded in season four. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we can both agree this this season was a snoozer. It was so bad. <laughs> and it's just so upsetting because like I I mean I was definitely like looking forward to this new season for a couple of months and then of course when the queen died they were like oh we're gonna like postpone the release a little bit and I was like okay um and I know that this is not what happened obviously but I'm almost like did they change the script and like make it nicer 
to the royal family because the queen died. Yo, like, why did they, like, why? Yo, I'm, I'm very, I, as I was watching the show, I was really starting to get that vibe. Because I think with season four, like, it was very anti-Charles. Like, just. Yeah. Because <laughs> it should be. <laughs> But, like, yeah, I think they really, in, in season four, like, that felt more like the War of the Waleses than this season was, which was actually the time yeah. that those headlines started circulating. And with this season, yeah, there's a scene where Prince Charles is breakdancing because he he starts a charity and they for underprivileged youth. That whole episode, I was like, so uncomfortable like that entire episode it. felt like okay we're gonna suck charles's dick for a second like we're gonna <laughs> yeah our new king <laughs> i was like they sucked his dick camilla sucked his dick everyone was talking about sucking dick i'm watching this my mom is sitting next to me and i was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the also also back to charles and camilla this season, they were really trying to push, like, oh, well, like, Diana's kind of, like, the wild card. She's breaking everything apart. She's trying to take down the crown. Whereas, like, Prince Charles, like, I think at one point was like, look at Camilla. Camilla's been steadfast, sturdy. She's been loyal. She's yeah. been through so much. And she has not said anything. And it's, like, fair point. But also... Oh, it was completely pro-Charles. I mean... You go into this, right? First of all, I think Elizabeth Debicki did a phenomenal job playing Diana. I really wasn't a... Emma Corbin didn't do it for me. But, like, this season, I literally, like, thought I was watching Diana. Like, it was the resemblance also. But anyway, that's that's besides the point, right? When you look at the writing of it, I, I think it started off promising when they go on this trip to Italy. And you can clearly see, like, the frustration and, like, the kind of... I thought, like, you know, her saying that, you know, can we go shopping or whatever is, like, bringing out that, like, human, normal person yeah. side to her. Um, but then after that, they just did her so dirty. First of all, the fact that she had such little screen time this season. Yeah. When, like, that's what everyone know about. Like, that is why people are watching. Literally. And then to have an entire episode dedicated to oh, we should feel bad for Charles. Yeah, his, like, phone got tapped. And his... I was like, oh, my God. Is this, like, sexting before text? Um, <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Tampax gate. Tampax gate. Which will forever be hilariously cringy. So cringe. So cringe. But it's like, okay, that happens. We're supposed to feel bad about that. And then, like, admire him for like all of this work he's like huffing and huffing and puffing around the fucking castle or whatever talking about how he wants to like be like this new king modern king whatever and then like yeah the scenes of him break dancing the scenes of him with like youth of color um which like you know is like let's it's, unpack there but um, yeah <laughs> But it's just like, yeah. And then at the end when they were like, Prince Charles donated this much money, did this and this and this. I was like, okay, and? Right, and? If, like, you can be super rich and give money away to people in need and still be a horrible person. <laughs> I also think the writing did Queen Elizabeth a little dirty 
in, yeah. in this season as well. Yes. Let's let's start with the yacht. Let's start with the boat. Um, the, the opening and closing to this season is all surrounding whether or not they're going to decommission the royal yacht because it needs repairs and somebody needs to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And basically at the beginning of the season, they ask the government or they ask the prime minister, hey, uh, so our boat, which like literally represents years and years and years of, of the queen's reign uh it's a little little broken we need some <laughs> we, we, need, we need some money uh to repair the boat or else it has to be decommissioned it would be great if you could money we don't want to sell our jewels <laughs> oh my god whatever yeah be a royal correspondent it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but then the prime minister is like I'll think about it, but like we're literally dipping into a recession right now. I <laughs> people are not going to be a fan of this. Yeah. And finally, they put a bookmark in that, and then they come back to it at the very finale. And of course, a new prime minister selected Tony Blair, and Tony Blair's like, "Heck no." Yeah. And Charles tries to bring him on the boat and be like, "Oh well, like Winston Churchill sat here, and like, yeah. isn't it a nice yacht?" And Tony Blair's still like. Sure. Yeah, but like, like, it's just a yacht, though. I, I can't pay for this. <laughs> and then the last twenty minutes is literally—it feels like a boat funeral because they're just walking around the yacht, like crying and being sad, and like looking at over the old photo albums. Which like, and, makes no sense, uh, right? Because it's like supposed to depict whatever, like the Queen's reign, blah blah blah. But it's not like she. She might have felt maybe like she was getting replaced, the whole Queen Victoria syndrome thing. But like homegirl had many more years to live after that. Like, I mean, I don't really like She she turns yeah. 70 in this in this. Yeah, season? she turns Yeah, she turns 70 or like she's about to turn 70 or something like that. But yeah, I don't fully understand it because it's never like, yeah, Charles is like, yeah, I want to be king, whatever. <laughs> We've been new since he was like 30. <laughs> But it's it's not like that's something that is in anyone's control. It's not like there was ever a point where she was like contemplating abdicating the throne and giving it to Charles. Like, so I don't fully understand why. Yeah, I remember there there being like a conversation between the Queen and Charles at one point, yeah. and he's like, "Well, you know, I'm gonna be king at some point," and she's like, "Well, you're not." <laughs> king yet (laughs) exactly bringing that umbrage energy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. into the role for sure oh my gosh and also just like one of the issues I kind of had with this season was the pacing I just couldn't like understand why like some scenes and like some like subplots that they were exploring were taking so long pacing and like the placement of like like that all the different time jumps and things and there were a lot of moments in the season where it's like, why am I seeing this right now? Like, why am I watching this? Like episode three, where they talk about the Alphayeds, I was like, why? That that should have been in the next season because there's no, I mean, I guess like, yeah, the one exchange between like Diana and Muhammad. Muhammad, yeah. Um, during the race, the horse race. It was either a horse race or a polo match. There were horses involved. Yeah, match. yeah. The, ho- the horse activities. <laughs> that was cheeky, but it, it went nowhere. Yeah, it went nowhere. And I think, okay, it was like cute. Hmm. 
And I, w- I was left thinking, oh, okay, we're going to get straight into that romance relationship, whatever. But there's like the whole other relationship that we had to get through first. Yeah. Well, I mean, let me, I'll just like explain. Uh, we're referring to the relationship that Diana develops with the doctor that is doing her acupuncturist's heart surgery. Like, thank you acupuncturist husband's heart surgery yeah Yeah. is that I hope I said that um Diana's literally at the hospital with her acupuncturist and her husband is in surgery and the doctor comes out and explains what's going on and that the husband's gonna be okay and immediately after Diana goes oh he's quite dishy isn't he like what what y'all were out here to like do Diana dirty like I know I didn't know her (laughs) but like from everything that is known about Princess Diana, I don't think that like the first thing she would say to her friend who's like going through that is, oh, the doctor's super hot. Like, you know, like, and to like keep going in on that warm eyes, kind eyes, whatever she says. I was just like, this is ridiculous to watch. And like, it's ridiculous that she's portrayed in this light. And even when she starts going and visiting the other patients in the hospital just because she wants to I feel like because it's kind of like set up with the intention of like leading into her romantic relationship with Dr. Khan it makes it seem almost like she's just visiting the hospital so she can like run into him Mm -hmm. or like you know see him and that's again makes it like childish behavior and yeah I don't know I I blame the writing for for that yeah absolutely but yeah, kind of jumping back is I I thought that they had episode three to set up her relationship with Dodie because yeah. she does eventually have a relationship with Dodie Al-Fayed. And he's the one who, you know, is with her during her car accident. Exactly. So I, but that's no. That's how the season's going to end, right? Like, No, he ends up fucking another bitch on a fucking plane. And no. that's all we see is him fucking somebody who's not Diana on a plane and that's the last we hear from okay. Dodie. That is I like really it. don't expect to see sex while I'm watching The Crown. Like I expected it a little more this season, but not the act itself. Not that we see anything too crazy, but I was just like I was just like why am I watching this woman moaning and like role playing? What? I mean, my brain is just like, what am I watching right now? And for what? Literally nothing. This, it, it doesn't, the scene goes nowhere. The relationship goes nowhere. It's absolutely irrelevant to everything that's happening in the rest of the episode. Also, I'm like, I'm like Dodie, what is your climate footprint <laughs> for you to be taking private jets from LA to London and then having a whole bed on this private jet so you can have sex? Yeah. What's your carbon footprint? <laughs> I think the only episode that was close to anything that to me felt like like a true episode of The Crown was episode six, which is the episode where they talk about the Romanovs and it's juxtaposed with the eventual like killing of the Romanovs and uh, flash forward in time to the queen meeting the first elected president of Russia and then yeah. in the meantime, that's when like her and Philip kind of have their like little marital problems. But I liked that episode because I liked how like it integrated the history, but it also integrated 
character. And I think that's what the crown does best. Yeah. But other than that, really, like... I think I kind of liked the BBC episode when the director general, if I'm remembering correctly, of the BBC is, like, asking to do the tribute and would they get the tapes and they're, like, going over it making those like editorial decisions I think the only reason I like that though is because Mm -hmm. I'm a journalist and I was like ah fascinating (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I I I agree though I do think that the um episode about the Romanovs that was like the kind of like flipping back and forth of like montages and history and current timing and like also like historical fiction like blended together really like seamlessly but like still in an effective and true way the last three episodes I literally watched no the last two episodes I watched sped up and it's like you didn't even miss anything I don't even remember what happens in the second to last episode (laughs) oh 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 Charles goes over to Diana's house oh yeah literally like goes like garbage gaslight mode it was literally like I'm here I don't know how I got here but I'm I drove my car and I ended up at your door (laughs) garbage 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 and then for him to be like I always thought you look prettier like natural blah 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 I was like shut up shut up and then (laughs) loses it the second she gives him like a sentence of like truth yeah they were like let's get real she got real and he got mad (laughs) but overall this season was not good and you know what don't don't watch it. Don't watch it. Even even honestly, like I was like just trying to look out for like small things. I'll just like quickly comment on the fashion. Obviously, Princess Diana was known for her like iconic fashion looks. And we yeah, the revenge dress was like in a scene for like maybe three seconds. Yep. I was like, you were giving the revenge dress three seconds of like screen time. Are you kidding me? It was a moment. It was an iconic moment yeah but no we need to make more time for the boat exactly it's all about the boat moving on to from one netflix show to the other Mm -hmm. love is blind's third season brought in so much drama both on and off camera and so we we had to talk about it. I've done a lot of this life alone, and I just don't want to do it alone anymore. Pods are open. I think this is our first time talking about Love Is Blind in the show because I did not watch Love Is Blind up until this season. Girl. Okay, first of all, would you put yourself in a pod? Hell no. <laughs> the thing that baffled me about this show as I was watching it, because again. Virgin Eyes, first time seeing this, is the fact that two people who have never seen each other in their lives after, like, X amount of days are like, I love you. Like, at one point, I think uh, one of the couples says, like, oh, like, you're my lobster. I'm obsessed with you. Like, I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Would you put yourself in that situation? (laughs) It does not to sound like, okay, first of all, I don't think... Even if I talk to someone nonstop for like four days straight, I don't think I'm going to be in love with them. Like it's all journaling. No. I feel like they're like, instead of like journaling, they're like, I'm going to like say all my deepest, darkest secrets to someone. And they think that like, that's 
them falling in love. But I'm like, you could just send, just like voice memo it if you don't want to write it. Right. Also, like, I'm sorry, I, not to sound like <laughs> Bartiste, <laughs> I don't think I could fall in love with someone enough to marry them having never seen them. Like, body language is such a big thing. Like, physical, like, chemistry. I'm a physical touch girl. I like it. Which is my love language. Like, I can't do this. For me, yeah. It's like physical touch, words of affirmation. That's, that, those are my two. Mine is physical touch and quality time, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, let's, I mean, this whole entire show is toxic, so, but <laughs> speaking of Bartise, mm-hmm. I mean, Bartise and Cole, who are both like the younger guys that end up going after older women, they're 25 and 26 respectively going after women that are like 31? Yeah. 32? I think 30, somewhere between 30 to 32. Yeah. And so that's a pretty significant age gap and I think both women had some concerns about that age gap but still went through with the matches anyway that's what I don't get like if someone if if I'm in a pod and someone if and I'm 30 and the guy I'm talking to is 25 babe like I'd have been like I've been 25 I know how 25 year olds talk I'm out the thing that blew my mind was the fact that they were surprised by their shitty behavior once they actually yeah. like got into living together and like being together in the real world and meeting each other's families like are you not you're not embarrassed Absolutely. I don't know <laughs> yeah no I agree and it's also very much so like like if we take like Zenab and Cole right their relationship apart like not even like getting into like the aspects of their personalities and how they were toxic just be fucking for real right now. <laughs> she was irritated with him in the pods as well. Exactly, exactly, right? But also, it's like, if you are 32, what 30, whatever, I'm like, okay, you are organized, you are on top of your shit, you have experience, you have, like, met so many people. What do you expect from a 26-year-old? Who keeps his apartment the way that he kept his apartment? <sighs> I expect that from a 26-year-old. It wouldn't be, I, I'd expect better, but I wouldn't be surprised by that. Right. Which is why I would never want to marry someone who is that much younger than me. Right. I also think that Zainab's speech at the altar deserves an Oscar. Like, oh my the God, way that she roasted his ass was just so good. The internet is divided, right? They think that it wasn't the right time. And I'm like, absolutely not. He has embarrassed her in every single way possible and like yeah it's true gaslit her gaslit her completely tore down her self-esteem and like called her bipolar at one point like they were arguing and he straight up was like are you bipolar yeah i would have slapped him in the face (laughs) what a way to like literally be like oh women are crazy like and also like bring down like a very real like mental health disorder like Mm -hmm. i would have left that second well i would I would have left a long time ago, but like, yeah. You know. The thing with them that's interesting is they're still back and forth between the two. Like in an interview, Zainab said that Cole never reached out to apologize to her for like any of the stuff that he did. And yeah. Cole says that he did. And so now the internet is really? kind of divided on like who to believe, like who's the villain here, Zainab or Cole. But she also posted this big statement on her Instagram at one point saying basically like, Cole, it's over. We're done. I don't plan on speaking to you anymore. And 
the post has since been taken down, which is interesting. Oh. But it was like a paragraphs and it paragraphs was a, of like her like explaining her side of the story and being like, Cole, happy for what we had. It was great, but like we're done. Stop trying to call me. Like, stop. I understand her point of view. Like, I understand why she would want to get the hell out after that. I was irritated from him from day one. He just he was just immature. He just didn't know what to do. Was I, I find it shocking that he was already married once. Like, yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. And then I mean, similar vibes with Bartise. Oh, <laughs> the thing that irritated me the most with Bartise is that he was like, yeah, I'm 25, but like. People tell me I act older than I am. I try to act older than I am. I want to be like a good husband, boyfriend, whatever, whatever. And yet he continued to do shitty, childish things. The disrespect. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I think one of the first things that just really like damaged his character for me was when he was literally in bed with Nancy talking about how hot Raven was, the other girl that he was like, talking to in the pods. Not even like, oh, Raven's really good looking. It goes, yeah, she's so hot. She's fucking fine as hell. She came in wearing like tight like dress or whatever. She He said oh, she's yeah, a she's smoke a show. Bro. <laughs> I would vomit. Shout out to Nancy and whatever work she had already done on herself before coming onto the show because if I loved someone and wanted to marry them and they said that like I would be destroyed. My self-esteem would be gone. And for her to like still like stick up for herself and like be confident in herself was just like so iconic of her and like and great I think to see. Nancy really tried to make things work and she really was trying to yeah. I think first assure Bartise that like her ex boyfriend had like nothing to do with any of her assets which was something he was really concerned about why but it's like. She's an adult. She's handling yeah. her shit and it has nothing to do with you. Why is this a turnoff for you? That's I don't like very get it. Adult thing to do. Like people who have like been in like adults who are like in relationships, buy houses together all the time and then like break up. Like, I don't know. It's just, I've like heard of cases like that. She was so frustrated with the fact that she did not look like his typical type. Yeah. And she kept telling him like, I'm never going to be that. So yeah. like you either like this, you either yeah. want this, or, or you, you get leave. the fuck out. And he just was just like in denial. I think I say I think he was just like, I don't want to look like the bad guy. And he just like stuck it out, even though he obviously like still ended up looking like the bad guy and like very much is. The thing that but, made me mad was when he was like, Oh yeah, I can learn to live with this. You can learn to live with it. You could what the fuck does that mean? Also, Nancy is so cute. Like, and the angel, and, and, light of my life. Um, Bartista's sister was like, you need to like get over this like looks thing. And he just didn't. Whatever. It's give, it's very much so giving narcissist, egoistic, 25 year old. Yep. Oh, hinge, Bartiste. Love is blind is not for you. Like. Clearly. As for the other couples, though. So we had Colleen and Matt. Who I think people have mixed feelings about them. I actually like them together. I just like need Matt to go to therapy. Matt needs to go to therapy. But he's been screwed over. Like he was in a relationship. He was married. And his wife cheated on him and had a baby with somebody else. Like that would create trust issues. Yeah, but then again, don't go on Love is Blind if you haven't addressed that yet. 
that I mean, yes, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. But as we all know, men don't like therapy. <laughs> yeah. The odds of him doing that before going on the show kind of slim. But I could see why he had reservations about Colleen, but like they they were they ended up working out. And I, I you know, I I wish them the best. They were very unproblematic for the most part. And yeah. so yeah, I was totally cool with that. Same with Alexa and Brennan. I mean, I feel like every season there's like that one couple that's just like set, <laughs> like solid. Yeah. Yeah. They were set from day one. From day one. Like episode one. They were like, yep, you're my person. And they were cute. I mean, I think they worked. Um, I think like even like the family dynamics with both of them was like very not forced, like not like strained, no nervousness, stuff like that. So I'm happy for them. <laughs> Very happy for them as well. And then finally, we got SK and Raven. I liked them. Honestly, at the beginning, I was a little bit like, hmm, just because they weren't like all over each other. But like then again, yeah, I don't think I would be all over someone who I don't actually know physically, even if I allegedly love them. So like, right. Like I, I appreciate the fact that they were taking things slowly, unlike everybody else who was just like gunning it. But <laughs> So yeah, by like the end, I was like, okay, cool. I ship it. But I was surprised when SK said no. Same. I totally thought they were going to get married. Yeah. Well, now it makes sense, though, why he said no. Because based based off TikTok, there was a whole stuff going on behind the scenes yeah. for <laughs> SK, which no one else knew about. Yeah. And this all started to come out like very recently where his ex fiance started posting a couple of TikToks being like, we were together when he was on the show and he told me that he was just going on the show for money, but she didn't know that he had a fiance from the show. So she looked at his phone when they were together and saw a text from fiance and was very skeptical and then obviously then he told her about it and said he was just doing it for money and all of this came out on multiple tiktoks that are still up as far as i know um and it was photo evidence of this other woman like spending time with sk like them taking trips together like the whole shebang all the receipts are there i just want to like why <laughs> Why did he save Raven's contact as fiance? Yeah. Did you not think that that was going to be <laughs> sus for the woman that you're seeing? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So that was already like wild in and of itself. And then Raven and SK both posted the same thing on their Instagram story. And they basically said that we are saddened to announce that we have decided to go our separate ways Due to ongoing legal proceedings surrounding these allegations, we cannot provide additional details and ask that you please respect our privacy during this hard time. Thank you for following our love story and believing in us. This journey has forever shaped our lives and we are so grateful for everyone who's been a part of it. Your love and support means everything. Now, I just want to know what these ongoing legal proceedings are. Right? Like, what's the lawsuit? Like, like what is... Oh, we're just dating. Like, what? Like, when did the law get involved? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I do not know because it's not like he, he was actually married to either of them. And I'm like, 
is not a lawyer. Raven is not a lawyer. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that, like, I don't know, maybe there's something in the Love is Blind contract that he violated by, like, seeing somebody else. Like, seeing another woman. But yeah. also, I think it's very interesting because at one point he mentions that his family is very, like, polyamorous. Like, they, it's normal in Nigeria because yeah. he's Nigerian to have, like, multiple wives. But he explicitly yeah. said that he wasn't into that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then now that this is happening, it's like... It's- explicitly laid it out like explained himself his point of view like assured her and then once again proving men ain't shit (laughs) men ain't shit Alrighty, thank you so much for making it to the end of all of our ranting of <laughs> all these TV shows that we love. And thank you for listening to this episode. And also go check out our other episodes. We're streaming on all streaming platforms. So definitely give us a follow and subscribe if you're interested in hearing more. You know what's so interesting? What? Somebody just texted me asking me why we don't post our episodes on Instagram. The whole episode? The whole episode. Is that allowed? It is, it is. But then like, I've seen people do it, but like, we don't have a visual element to go with it. But if you made it to the end of this episode and would, for some reason, find it more convenient to like, listen on Instagram, let us know. Yeah. I don't know. I probably should told you about this before <laughs> i wasn't aware that you could do that so if you if that's something that you yeah. guys would want to see please let us know we have an instagram at pop rocks and yes. pod send us a dm we post, deals, we post memes we post all that kind of fun stuff but if you also want to see the entire episode on there let us know yeah because we would make that happen if pe- enough people wanted people it want. yeah yeah <laughs> until next time get some pop rocks drink some tea and uh r.i.p britannia (laughs) (laughs) pour one out for that yacht yeah 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 alrighty Bye. bye